You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the voice of reason, risk mitigation expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Welcome to Incorporating Superpowers. Today, we're going to look at something a little bit different than we normally do, because today, my guest is actually leading a team that is competing for the X Prize put on by the Musk Foundation, and it's all about carbon removal. And get this, folks, his team is called Desert to Grasslands. And this is going to be a super fun conversation because I've spent some time in the desert. Been there, been to Iraq, been to Afghanistan, been to some really uninhabitable parts of the planet that, you know, when I was there, I was thinking, well, you know, it'd be really nice if, and what that would look like at even a global scale. I haven't even imagined, started to imagine what that would look like, but my guest today has. Please welcome Roger Savory to, to the show today. Roger, I am excited to hear more about what you and your team are up to and, and definitely be rooting for you for the X Prize. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. And uh, yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yes, any of us who have Iraqi dinars in our safes, um, know, know the value of uh, turning deserts into grasslands. And the rest of the team's name is actually Feeding the Future. Um, because uh, that's, we've, we've, got a, we've got a billion hungry people on the planet right now today. And within the next 25 years, there will be another billion. So we can't feed the current billion. And there's about to be 2 billion hungry souls on the planet going to bed hungry every night. Um, and uh, as a Christian, you know that that is just unacceptable. Yeah, it's um, especially when we have the technology, when we have the space, when when we, we when we know that this is abundant universe, and really the only thing that's limiting us is our own imagination and our own willingness to step into doing things different. And, and I got to say, turning desert into grassland is definitely doing something different. So, talk to me real quick about. What's that process? And I don't want to dive into that. Just give us give us a little teaser, and then we'll dive into it fully on the back end. What's what's the vision for the Desert to Grasslands team? So uh, the 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 simple Cliff Notes version is um, I pioneered a process that I call biological carpeting. And when we get a biological carpet on top of the hot desert sand. We're able to allow the fungi to start growing. When the fungi start growing, they trigger the seeds in the soil to germinate and grow. And we can basically jumpstart the life cycle again and reverse, and this is going to shock you, 150,000 years of known human destruction of our planet. Mm, mm. That seems... Uh... That seems unfathomable in some circles, in some minds, right? Of like, but then my mind goes to because like desert. My mind goes to sand, and then I'm thinking to myself, well, I've been on a golf course, and the foundational underlying levels of golf course is, is sand. Sand's a huge part in being able to grow those lush green grasses on on a golf course. So yeah, I guess that makes sense as to we we should be able to do that in in the desert. Is it is it that simple? 
Well, it, it, it really is that simple. Um, uh, you know, in, in the Bible, uh, they talk about the uh, land of milk and honey. Um, and uh, if, if, you've, if you've studied the Bible, you've read that term, but almost no one actually paid attention to what the Bible was telling us. And they all read the Bible, or, you know, the Israelites would chase, you know, left the land of milk and honey, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But no one said, well, what does that actually mean? And if you look at that part of the world today, it's Israel and you've got Jews and Arabs throwing rocks at each other. But if we go back 4,000 years to when that was apparently written and we say, okay, well, what do we know scientifically you need to produce milk? Now, notice they didn't say beef and something else. They said milk. So right there, they're saying you need a, a milking cow. Now, so milk as opposed to beef, you need more water. So right there, they were saying we needed a functioning water cycle. Now, to have a functioning water cycle, we know from research out of the Namib Desert that a covered soil has 84% uh, of precipitation evaporate. Uh, uh, a covered soil has 10% evaporation and a bare soil has 84% evaporation. So right there, we know we had to have had grass as ground cover for the water cycle to function. So we know we had to have grass and covered soils for the water cycle to function for cows to get water for milk. So what, is the, uh, what are the other conditions a dairy cow needs? as opposed to a beef cow. Well, milk cows require diets very high in protein. Well, protein, that means that doesn't come from grass, that comes from your legumes. So they were describing grass and legumes for the protein. Now, Ooh. the other thing that they require is carbohydrates. Well, those come from your broadleaf plants. So they're describing grass, legumes, and broadleaves. Now, the second part of that is honey. Now, grass pollen is wind pollinated, so it doesn't need bees. So you can rule out the grass and say, well, that was just for the water cycle. But for the honey part, well, grass doesn't have pollen for bees, but legumes do. So there again, they're saying we needed legumes. The other thing that has flowers are broadleafs. So they were describing legumes and broadleafs for the honey section. But then where do bees make their hives? Well, they needed big old trees to make their hives in. So they described a savanna ecosystem with grass, legumes, and broadleafs and big trees. And that was only 4,000 years ago, but we didn't understand the message. We weren't listening to it. So we chopped all the trees down, made firewood. Um, you know, uh, and, and the only place in those environments that you found what they were describing that was in the paddocks, today, those same plants, we now find them in our vegetable gardens. Mm, I'm, I'm going to pause you right there, Roger, because this, this is good because I, I'm starting to get a glimpse of what your superpowers are. And I want to talk about this on the back end because this – this is brilliant. I've never seen anybody be able to decipher something from the Bible in the way that you were able to paint it and how you were able to experience it and how you were able to see it. And this is amazing. 
and I want to dive into this further on the back of the conversation, but where can people go learn more about your project and how can they support you on, on winning the project uh, on the X project? Well, we need all the support we can get, financial, skill sets, everything. And the website that we've created to kind of collect people together is called D and then the number two, GFTF.com. So that would be deserts to grasslands feeding the future.com, D2GFTF.com. Fantastic, folks. Go take a look at this because this, this is important. This is, if you're not thinking about this, if you're not, learning about this then you're, you're hiding in a box because this, this is the forward visioning that we have to be looking for if we want to continue to sustain how we feed ourselves this is brilliant stay with us we'll be right back hi everyone i'm tonya don Reckla, executive director of superpower experts are you ready to master your life are you looking for more calm and peace connectedness in your relationships more clear communication, guided thoughts, and a confidence in your ability to come up with creative solutions no matter what happens, then join us at our next experience. Go to superpowerexperts.com and get signed up today. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Roger Saber. He's leading a team for the X Project. The team's called Dare, Desert to Grasslands, Feeding the, Fe right, Feeding the Future. Is that correct? Yep. Awesome. This is folks before the break, we were, uh, Roger was sharing how he got to putting down this blade, this carpeting the desert and, and changing it into a grass and the big vision. So Roger, I'm just going to hit you right at the front here uh, on the backside of the, of the, the break here. What is your, what are, what are your superpowers? I, I, th I, I think you just shared some of them with us on the front end, but how do you see it? What, what are your superpowers? <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I think uh, my major superpower is this ability to observe um, and, uh, and connect these things. Um, you know, these are, these are problems that humans have looked at for thousands of years and not been able to solve the problem. I think my superpower is having been born in Africa traveled the world, um, always been involved with nature, being able to connect humans to nature, to economy. Um, I think they're all connected, but I think the reason I have this ability is I'm uh, technically, I would be called high functioning autistic. So okay. I just see the world differently to everyone else. Um, and I, and I love it. I think that's my superpower. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. Well, and it's, I think it's because of the superpowers like that, that being able to see the world differently is what we need. We need more people to see the world differently. We have, we have so many people that are wrapped up in what I call the matrix, right? The, the old constructs, the old systems, the old programming, and they're in it and they can't see out of it. So those that have the forward visioning who can see the world different are going to be the ones who, who make a change. And you were before the break, you were painting the picture of how from a simple phrase, the land of milk and honey, you were able to see, well, well, what did the what did the environment look like? If it was truly the land of milk and honey, that means that they had to have cows, that means they had to have bees. How do how did they have that? What did that look like? And why is it not there anymore? And 
So when you look out to the world and you see these big, vast oceans, let's say the Sahara Desert, I mean, right? It's huge. Can we, well, can we let, populate, let, can we populate let, the entire Sahara Desert? Let, let, let's not go that far. Let's okay. keep it at home. Okay. You're in Phoenix, Arizona. Perfect. We, in the last 240 years, our records from the USDA show that we have created 800 million acres of desert in America. <laughs> we have a further 200 million acres at risk of turning to desert in the next 30 years. That's 1 billion acres of deserts we have created since European settlement in the Americas. Wow. We don't need to look to the Sahara. That was done 4,000 years ago. We're doing Ooh. this right now, right here. Now, I do study history, and I go and study those other deserts to find out what was the course of actions that they took to get to a desert. Yeah. And I go, whoops, we did that, then we repeated it. Then we did that, then we repeated it. And we've repeated the same pattern over and over again. We find a healthy ecosystem that has a grassland and has animals um, subsisting on the grassland. The grassland is being kept healthy by the animals. We come in, we go, ooh, yummy, nice meat. We kill all the animals. When the animals are gone, the grass can't stay alive. It dies from what we call overrest. When it's died from overrest, excuse me, then we invent agriculture because now we have to feed ourselves because what we were feeding ourselves on was the animals. We've killed them. The grasslands died. So now we have to now manually plant grasses to feed ourselves. Remember, wheat is a grass. So once we've destroyed an ecosystem because of the easy, nice, tasty meat, then we always have to invent agriculture. And agriculture speeds up the speed of destruction and speeds up the process of desertification. And now that we've got big things called tractors and plows and diesel, we are doing it faster than we've ever done in civilization's history. So what's the, what's the answer? How do we reverse it knowing that now we've created this dependency on agriculture to where these huge, gigantic farms are producing not only our food, but food for the world? How do we, how do we remove that dependency and shift into something more sustainable? Convince your friends, family, and government to support the Deserts to Grassland project. We've put in a, a loan application with the USDA. They should be ruling within the next, this, this coming month. Uh, we've asked for basically, I think, call it 60 or $100 million um, for us to begin showing the world that what we have thought, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, the impossible. If I can show the world that the impossible is, in fact, easy to do, then others will replicate it. And if I start with 5,000 acres of desert that I turn back into a grassland and then get it up to 150,000 acres, 150,000 acres is, is an important figure because when we get to 150,000 acres, we change micro water cycles. And when we start, and then when we get to that scale, then we actually create our whole a, a, a weather pattern of our own. In fact, you live in Phoenix. You know that Phoenix was the first place in the world that created its own weather system based on the size of Phoenix. So you're actually living in part of the research lab that shows that humans can change weather. 
because yeah. Phoenix was the first place in the world that changed the weather patterns just strictly based on the size and heat radiation um, imprint that came out of the city of Phoenix. So if we can start with five or 6,000 acres that I've identified in the Salton Sea in Imperial Valley, then quickly expand to 150,000 acres, I think at that point, there's enough money in it for everyone to actually make good money. Um, we'll feed you know, big cities like Phoenix or Los Angeles. Um, you know, any of the big cities alongside the desert, we can do the project there. Um, and then, you know, um, and whether it's people who understand how to get companies started on Wall Street, or whether it's just a wealthy person who says, look, you know, I'm dying, and I can't take my money with me, let's actually try and help humanity, give these guys a chance to either prove themselves categorically wrong or change the world forever for the better. So that's basically the point I'm at now. I'm the mad crazy scientist with the good idea. I've trialed it for 30 years. I've trialed it on all continents in the world. I've done it in Australia, America, you know, uh, Canada, Africa. It's like gravity. It works everywhere. Now we've just got to get it done. And I don't know how I became the host. You back? I am back. The Zoom just up and quit on me. I apologize for that. Don't know what happened. So no give me one second. This meeting is being recorded. So um, whether it's a, a rich person or someone who understands finance, yeah, we've got to find um, a person or a group of people who want to try the impossible, who want to give humanity a chance. And let's try on the scale, I believe, that it's necessary to, to, to just do this project. The carbon prize is to draw publicity, but the real reason is because for humanity's sake, we have no option. We have to turn the two thirds of the planet that we've turned into desert back into grassland. We've got to, the only thing that food that we can do once we've done that is livestock um, or grazing animals. And we've got to try and reverse the damage that humans have done. And I believe that everything I'm talking about is very easy to do, but humans have fear of the unknown and if every one of your ancestors for 150,000 years knows that we create deserts and there's nothing you can do to stop it, if someone comes along and says, oh, by the way, we can stop it and reverse it, he's got to be mad. Because <laughs> the rest of the world is telling them otherwise. I yeah. absolutely love your passion for this. I am definitely rooting for you. I look forward to getting this this episode out there and sharing it with the world so that they can learn more about this. Um, I, I know it's important. I see it because when I look forward to the work that I'm doing, doesn't matter what I'm doing if we can't feed ourselves, if we can't feed the population in, our, in the future generations to come. And I agree with you. This is super, super important. Roger, this, this is amazing. Where, where can people go learn more about you on this? Um, well, like I said, uh, d2gftf.com is where we're amalgamating people. And I just want to leave you with a parting thought. Conflict is always over diminishing resources. 
Nobody has ever said, you take the loaf, last loaf of bread, feed your family, I'll let my family starve. Yeah. And we're all warriors. We've all been to war. The only way to stop global conflict is to have abundance. And I believe this project is the only thing that I know of that offers us a hope at abundance again globally. Mm. And abundance will stop warfare. And we have the ability to do such because we've got all the tools, the technology, and the know-how. We just have to have the courage to do so. Roger, thank you so much for for leading your team, doing what you're doing in the world. It matters. And again, folks, go take a look at what Roger and his team are up to because this this stuff is important. I know it's hard to look at. We don't want to face it because we can just go to the grocery store now and get the food that we want and it's not a big deal. But when we stop and look at the bigger picture, we realize that "Hmm, maybe it's not as pretty as we think it is. Until next time, go out there, incorporate your own superpowers so you can change the world. Take care. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.